Hey friends, welcome back to The Catwalk. My name is Clark Cowden. I'm your host of this podcast, and I want to thank you for joining with me again for this week's message. For the last six or seven weeks, we've been walking our way through the book of Joshua in the Old Testament of the Christian Bible, and today we come to our last installment where Joshua is getting ready to die, and he gives his final words to his people before he passes on. If you knew that you were coming to the end of your life, what would you want your final words to be? What is it that you would want people to know about what you believe, what's important to you, and what you want them to remember about you after you're gone? It's important as we think about the meaning of our lives and what we have spent our time investing ourselves in and why these things are important to us. So I invite you to sit back and relax and reflect on this message on final words. Lou Gehrig was a Hall of Fame first baseman for the New York Yankees in the 1920s and 30s. He was an all-star seven consecutive times, a Triple Crown winner once, an American League MVP twice, and a member of six World Series champion teams. He had a career 340 batting average, he had 493 home runs, and 1,995 runs batted in. He was the first player to have his number retired by a team. When he retired, he had the record for the most career Grand Slams and the most consecutive games played. He played his final game on May 2, 1939, when he was hampered by an undiagnosed ailment that was later determined to be amyotrophic lateral sclerosis, an incurable neuromuscular illness that today we refer to as Lou Gehrig's disease. The disease forced him to retire at age 36. He died two years later at the age of 38. When he gave his final speech, he said this, Fans, for the past two weeks, you have been reading about the bad break I got. Yet today, I consider myself the luckiest man on the face of this earth. I've been in ballparks for 17 years and have never received anything but kindness and encouragement from you fans. Look at these grand men. Which of you wouldn't consider it the highlight of his career just to associate with them for even one day? Sure, I'm lucky. When the New York Giants, a team you would give your right arm to beat, and vice versa, sends you a gift, that's something. When everybody down to the groundskeepers and those boys in white coats remember you with trophies, that's something. When you have a wonderful mother-in-law who takes sides with you and squabbles with her own daughter, that's something. When you have a father and a mother who work all their lives so you can have an education and build your body, it's a blessing. 
when you have a wife who has been a tower of strength and shown more courage than you dreamed existed. That's the finest I know. So I close in saying that I may have had a tough break, but I have had an awful lot to live for. In the face of suffering from an incurable disease, he still considered himself to be the luckiest man on the face of the earth. He focused on all the wonderful things he had been able to do in his life. He was focused on his family, his friends, and how kind people had been to him. If you were sick and knew you didn't have long to live, what would your last words be? If you had one last opportunity to tell people what was important to you, what you really cared about, and what you most wanted people to know, what would you say? Today, we wrap up our walk through the book of Joshua by looking at his final words to the Israelites before he passed away. He had one last opportunity to share his heart with his people. In Joshua 23, 1-14, this is what he said. After a long time had passed and the Lord had given Israel rest from all their enemies around them, Joshua, by then a very old man, summoned all Israel, their elders, leaders, judges, and officials, and said to them, I am very old. You yourselves have seen everything the Lord your God has done to all these nations for your sake. It was the Lord your God who fought for you. Remember how I have allotted as an inheritance for your tribes all the land of the nations that remain, the nations I conquered between the Jordan and the Mediterranean Sea in the West. Be very strong. Be careful to obey all that is written in the book of the law of Moses without turning aside to the right or to the left. Do not associate with these nations that remain among you. Do not invoke the names of their gods or swear by them. You must not serve them or bow down to them. But you are to hold fast to the Lord your God as you have until now. So be very careful to love the Lord your God. But if you turn away and ally yourselves with the survivors of these nations that remain among you, and if you intermarry with them and associate with them, then you may be sure that the Lord your God will no longer drive out these nations before you. Instead, they will become snares and traps for you, whips on your backs and thorns in your eyes, until you perish from this good land, which the Lord your God has given you. Now I am about to go the way of all the earth. You know with all your heart and soul that not one of all the good promises the Lord your God gave you has failed. Every promise has been fulfilled. Not one has failed. And then in chapter 24, verse 15, Joshua says, But if serving the Lord seems undesirable to you, then choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve whether the gods your ancestors served beyond the Euphrates 
or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you are living. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. The four main things Joshua is saying in his final words are to remember God, obey God, love God, and choose God. First of all, he says, remember God. He begins his last speech by encouraging people to remember God. According to a recent study, the average adult forgets three things every day. We forget nearly half of the information we've learned within 20 minutes. After 24 hours, about 70% of it is gone. And a month later, we've forgotten about 80% of what we learned. The more tasks and the greater the amount of information we try to juggle, the more we forget. If you don't read the Bible daily and participate in worship and small groups every week, most people will forget much about God that he wants us to know about him. So Joshua begins his final words to the Israelites by reviewing their past history. He feels it's important to remind them again that they have seen everything the Lord has done. He wants to remind them that the Lord has fought for them. He wants to remind them that it was the Lord who brought them into the promised land and gave them an inheritance. All these things have been accomplished by God for the people. Much of the fears that we experience are because we have forgotten how God has provided for us in the past. Many of our crises of faith are because we do not remember how God has never left us or forsaken us. Our past shapes our future. Our history has shaped who we are, how we view the world, and where we believe we can go next. People who forget the past are condemned to repeat it. Having a strong, healthy, vibrant future begins with remembering God. The second thing that Joshua tells the people in his final words is to obey God. He says, be strong and be careful to obey all that is written in the law of Moses. Don't associate with people who don't obey God. Don't worship the other gods that the people around you are worshiping. Our obedience is a response to what God has done for us in the past, and it is an anticipation of what God will do for us in the future. The reason Joshua tells the people not to associate with other nations and not to marry people from other nations is because they worship other gods. If they become too friendly and too intimate with them, they will lead the Israelites away from God. They will subtly or overtly tempt them to become less committed to God, show up for worship less often, and not be as committed or as strong in their faith to God. These are the things they are not to do. They are not to disobey God. 
They are to obey the law of Moses and hold fast to God. They will set them up for success, and this will lead to a good life. When Joshua talks about the importance of obedience, he is not saying that we obey God in order to earn his love. He's saying we obey God in response to his love. We don't obey God in order to be saved. We obey God because we have been saved. We need to remember God and then obey God. The third thing that Joshua says in his final words is to love God. Verse 11 says, be very careful to love the Lord your God. Because our obedience is embedded in a love relationship with God, it is not legalism. We don't obey God in order to get him to love us. We obey God because he already loves us. Obedience doesn't attain love for us. Obedience is the grateful response to the love God has already given us. Verse 14 says, You know with all your heart and soul that not one of all the good promises the Lord your God gave you has failed. Every promise has been fulfilled. Not one has failed. This is a reminder of Deuteronomy 6.5, which says to love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, and all your strength. The driving force of our lives is to be our love for God. Joshua wants to remind the people that we love God because not one of his promises has failed. Every single promise has been fulfilled. You can trust God. You can love God because he has never let us down. He has always kept his promises to us and he always will. Joshua's final words point us ahead to Jesus' final words in the New Testament. When Jesus sat down at the Last Supper with his disciples, he also told them to remember God, obey God, and love God. In John 14, 15, Jesus says, If you love me, keep my commandments. In John 14, 21, Jesus says, Whoever has my commands and keeps them is the one who loves me. Love leads to obedience. And obedience is the proof of love. In both the Old Testament and the New Testament, love and obedience arise as a response to God's redemption. Our love for God leads us to put our faith in him, and our obedience shows that we have put our faith in him. It's not popular to talk about, about obedience in our world today. We regularly see advertisements that promote the idea that there are no rules or that we should be so daring as to break the rules. We regularly promote the idea that we should not let the rules constrain us, and then we wonder why we have such a non-compliant society. But the Bible encourages us to live as obedient people in a disobedient world.
Fourthly and finally, Joshua encourages us to choose God. In chapter 24, verse 15, he tells the people to choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve, either the gods your ancestors believed in and served, or the gods of the land you are living in. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. It shows us that each one of us must make a choice. You can serve the God of the Bible, the God of Jesus, or you can serve the gods of this world, but you can't serve both. Mm -hmm. You have to choose. You can serve the God of your career or the God of Christ. You can serve the God of money or the God of Jesus. You can serve the God of success, the God of status, the God of popularity, or you can serve the God of the Bible, but you cannot serve both. In Matthew 6, 24, Jesus says, no one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. You have to make a choice. Have you already made your choice? Nobody else can make your choice for you. Your parents can't make your choice for you. Your spouse can't make your choice for you. Your friends can't make your choice for you. You have to make your own choice. Have you said that you believe in Jesus, that you want him to be your Lord and Savior, that you want him to save you and transform your life? If not, you can do that here this morning. The book of Joshua closes out in chapter 24, verses 29 to 31, by saying this. After these things, Joshua, son of Nun, the servant of the Lord, died at the age of 110. And they buried him in the land of his inheritance at Timnath-Serah in the hill country of Ephraim, north of Mount Gash. Israel served the Lord throughout the lifetime of Joshua and of the elders who outlived him and who had experienced everything the Lord had done for Israel. God had promised Abraham that he would give this land to the Israelites at least 500 years earlier. Isaac and Jacob and Joseph and Moses had all trusted God and believed that this promise would eventually be fulfilled. And now under Joshua, it had been. Joshua's life work was now finished. He had lived to be 110 years old, and he had fulfilled his life's purpose. His life had now reached its end. Joshua was buried in the land of his inheritance, and he was called a servant of the Lord. He had led Israel to the land, and he had distributed it among them. Like Moses, he had renewed their commitment to God and recorded their covenant in a book. His death now brings to a close another chapter in the history of Israel. But the end of this chapter provides the beginning of the next chapter. 
Verse 31 says there were elders who outlived him. They had experienced everything the Lord had done for Israel with Joshua. Based on what they had learned together, they would now carry on with what they had learned with him. The end of Joshua's life invites us to think about our own lives. What do you want to be remembered for? What do you want your legacy to be? After our lives here are over, what do we want people to say about us? How are we influencing the next generation that's coming up behind us? Have you made your choice to believe in Jesus? We know what Lou Gehrig's final speech was. He was the luckiest man on the face of the earth. We know what Joshua's final speech was. What will your final speech be? What are the most important things to you that you would want to communicate to others? Joshua's final words to the Israelites are still important words to us today. Remember God, obey God, love God, and choose God. As Joshua said in his final words, choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve. Whether the gods your ancestors served or the gods of the land you are now living in. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Have you made your choice yet? Have you chosen to follow Jesus and serve him? If you have not asked Jesus to be your Lord and Savior yet, you can do so by praying with me now. Let us pray. Dear God, I thank you for being my creator. I thank you for being my heavenly father and for sending your only son, Jesus, to earth to live for me, to die on the cross for me, and to be resurrected to eternal life for me. I know that I am a sinner and that I have disobeyed you. I know that I cannot save myself, but I confess my sins to you, everything that I have done wrong. And I tell you, I'm sorry. Help me to turn away from them and not do them again. I now choose Jesus. Jesus, I believe that you are the Lord and Savior of the world. And I invite you to come into my life and be my Lord and Savior. To save me and to transform me and to send me out to serve you in this world. And I pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Lou Gehrig was a Hall of Fame first baseman for the New York Yankees in the 1920s and 30s. He was an all-star seven consecutive times, a triple crown winner once, an American League MVP twice, and a member of six World Series champion teams. He had a career 340 batting average, hit 493 home runs, and 1,995 runs batted in. 
He was the first player to have his number retired by a team. When he retired, he had the record for the most career Grand Slams and the most consecutive games played. He played his final game on May 2nd, 1939, when he was hampered by an undiagnosed ailment that was later determined to be amyotrophic lateral sclerosis, an incurable neuromuscular illness that today we refer to as Lou Gehrig's disease. The disease forced him to retire at age 36. He died two years later at the age of 38. When he gave his final speech, he said this, fans for the past two weeks, you have been reading about the bad break I got. Yet today I consider myself the luckiest man on the face of this earth. I've been in ballparks for 17 years and have never received anything but kindness and encouragement from you fans. Look at these grand men. Which of you wouldn't consider it the highlight of his career just to associate with them for even one day? Sure, I'm lucky. When the New York Giants, a team you would give your right arm to beat, and vice versa, send you a gift, that's something. When everybody down to the groundskeepers and those boys in white coats remember you with trophies, that's something. When you have a wonderful mother-in-law who takes sides with you and squabbles with her own daughter, that's something. When you have a father and a mother who work all their lives so you can have an education and build your body, it's a blessing. When you have a wife who has been a tower of strength and shown more courage than you dreamed existed, that's the finest I know. So I close in saying that I may have had a tough break, but I have had an awful lot to live for. In the face of suffering from an incurable disease, he still considered himself to be the luckiest man on the face of the earth. He focused on all the wonderful things he had been able to do in his life. He was focused on his family, his friends, and how kind people had been to him. If you were sick and knew you didn't have long to live, what would your last words be? If you had one last opportunity to tell people what was important to you, what you really cared about, and what you most wanted people to know, what would you say? Today, we wrap up our walk through the book of Joshua by looking at his final words to the Israelites before he passed away. He had one last opportunity to share his heart with his people. In Joshua 23, 1-14, this is what he said. After a long time had passed and the Lord had given Israel rest from all their enemies around them, Joshua, by then a very old man, summoned all Israel, their elders, leaders, judges, and officials, and said to them, I am very old. You yourselves have seen everything the Lord your God has done to all these nations for your sake. 
It was the Lord your God who fought for you. Remember how I have allotted as an inheritance for your tribes all the land of the nations that remain, the nations I conquered between the Jordan and the Mediterranean Sea in the west. Be very strong. Be careful to obey all that is written in the book of the law of Moses without turning aside to the right or to the left. Do not associate with these nations that remain among you. Do not invoke the names of their gods or swear by them. You must not serve them or bow down to them. But you are to hold fast to the Lord your God as you have until now. So be very careful to love the Lord your God. But if you turn away and ally yourselves with the survivors of these nations that remain among you, and if you intermarry with them and associate with them, then you may be sure that the Lord your God will no longer drive out these nations before you. Instead, they will become snares and traps for you whips on your backs and thorns in your eyes until you perish from this good land, which the Lord your God has given you. Now I am about to go the way of all the earth. You know with all your heart and soul that not one of all the good promises the Lord your God gave you has failed. Every promise has been fulfilled. Not one has failed. And then in chapter 24, verse 15, Joshua says, But if serving the Lord seems undesirable to you, then choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve, whether the gods your ancestors served beyond the Euphrates or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you are living. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. The four main things Joshua is saying in his final words are to remember God, obey God, love God, and choose God. First of all, he says, remember God. He begins his last speech by encouraging people to remember God. According to a recent study, the average adult forgets three things every day. We forget nearly half of the information we've learned within 20 minutes. After 24 hours, about 70% of it is gone. And a month later, we've forgotten about 80% of what we learned. The more tasks and the greater the amount of information we try to juggle, the more we forget. If you don't read the Bible daily and participate in worship and small groups every week, most people will forget much about God that he wants us to know about him. So Joshua begins his final words to the Israelites by reviewing their past history. He feels it's important to remind them again that they have seen everything the Lord has done. He wants to remind them that the Lord has fought for them. He wants to remind them that it was the Lord who brought them into the promised land and gave them an inheritance. All these things have been accomplished by God for the people. 
Much of the fears that we experience are because we have forgotten how God has provided for us in the past. Many of our crises of faith are because we do not remember how God has never left us or forsaken us. Our past shapes our future. Our history has shaped who we are, how we view the world, and where we believe we can go next. People who forget the past are condemned to repeat it. Having a strong, healthy, vibrant future begins with remembering God. The second thing that Joshua tells the people in his final words is to obey God. He says, be strong and be careful to obey all that is written in the law of Moses. Don't associate with people who don't obey God. Don't worship the other gods that the people around you are worshiping. Our obedience is a response to what God has done for us in the past, and it is an anticipation of what God will do for us in the future. The reason Joshua tells the people not to associate with other nations and not to marry people from other nations is because they worship other gods. If they become too friendly and too intimate with them, they will lead the Israelites away from God. They will subtly or overtly tempt them to become less committed to God, show up for worship less often, and not be as committed or as strong in their faith to God. These are the things they are not to do. They are not to disobey God. They are to obey the law of Moses and hold fast to God. They will set them up for success, and this will lead to a good life. When Joshua talks about the importance of obedience, he is not saying that we obey God in order to earn his love. He's saying we obey God in response to his love. We don't obey God in order to be saved. We obey God because we have been saved. We need to remember God and then obey God. The third thing that Joshua says in his final words is to love God. Verse 11 says, be very careful to love the Lord your God. Because our obedience is embedded in a love relationship with God, it is not legalism. We don't obey God in order to get him to love us. We obey God because he already loves us. Obedience doesn't attain love for us. Obedience is the grateful response to the love God has already given us. Verse 14 says, You know with all your heart and soul that not one of all the good promises the Lord your God gave you has failed. Every promise has been fulfilled. Not one has failed. This is a reminder of Deuteronomy 6.5, which says to love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, and all your strength. The driving force of our lives is to be our love for God. 
Joshua wants to remind the people that we love God because not one of his promises has failed. Every single promise has been fulfilled. You can trust God. You can love God because he has never let us down. He has always kept his promises to us and he always will. Joshua's final words point us ahead to Jesus' final words in the New Testament. When Jesus sat down at the Last Supper with his disciples, he also told them to remember God, obey God, and love God. In John 14, 15, Jesus says, If you love me, keep my commandments. In John 14, 21, Jesus says, whoever has my commands and keeps them is the one who loves me. Love leads to obedience, and obedience is the proof of love. In both the Old Testament and the New Testament, love and obedience arise as a response to God's redemption. Our love for God leads us to put our faith in him, and our obedience shows that we have put our faith in him. It's not popular to talk about, about obedience in our world today. We regularly see advertisements that promote the idea that there are no rules, or that we should be so daring as to break the rules. We regularly promote the idea that we should not let the rules constrain us, and then we wonder why we have such a non-compliant society. But the Bible encourages us to live as obedient people in a disobedient world. Fourthly and finally, Joshua encourages us to choose God. In chapter 24, verse 15, he tells the people to choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve either the gods your ancestors believed in and served, or the gods of the land you are living in. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. It shows us that each one of us must make a choice. You can serve the God of the Bible, the God of Jesus, or you can serve the gods of this world, but you can't serve both. Mm -hmm. You have to choose. You can serve the God of your career or the God of Christ. You can serve the God of money or the God of Jesus. You can serve the God of success, the God of status, the God of popularity, or you can serve the God of the Bible, but you cannot serve both. In Matthew 6, 24, Jesus says, No one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. You have to make a choice. Have you already made your choice? Nobody else can make your choice for you. Your parents can't make your choice for you. Your spouse can't make your choice for you. Your friends can't make your choice for you. You have to make your own choice. Have you said that you believe in Jesus, 
that you want him to be your Lord and Savior, that you want him to save you and transform your life? If not, you can do that here this morning. The book of Joshua closes out in chapter 24, verses 29 to 31, by saying this. After these things, Joshua, son of Nun, the servant of the Lord, died at the age of 110. And they buried him in the land of his inheritance at Timnath-Serah in the hill country of Ephraim, north of Mount Gash. Israel served the Lord throughout the lifetime of Joshua and of the elders who outlived him and who had experienced everything the Lord had done for Israel. God had promised Abraham that he would give this land to the Israelites at least 500 years earlier. Isaac and Jacob and Joseph and Moses had all trusted God and believed that this promise would eventually be fulfilled. And now under Joshua, it had been. Joshua's life work was now finished. He had lived to be 110 years old, and he had fulfilled his life's purpose. His life had now reached its end. Joshua was buried in the land of his inheritance, and he was called a servant of the Lord. He had led Israel to the land, and he had distributed it among them. Like Moses, he had renewed their commitment to God and recorded their covenant in a book. His death now brings to a close another chapter in the history of Israel. But the end of this chapter provides the beginning of the next chapter. Verse 31 says there were elders who outlived him. They had experienced everything the Lord had done for Israel with Joshua. Based on what they had learned together, they would now carry on with what they had learned with him. The end of Joshua's life invites us to think about our own lives. What do you want to be remembered for? What do you want your legacy to be? After our lives here are over, what do we want people to say about us? How are we influencing the next generation that's coming up behind us? Have you made your choice to believe in Jesus? We know what Lou Gehrig's final speech was. He was the luckiest man on the face of the earth. We know what Joshua's final speech was. What will your final speech be? What are the most important things to you that you would want to communicate to others? Joshua's final words to the Israelites are still important words to us today. Remember God, obey God, love God, and choose God. As Joshua said in his final words, choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve whether the gods your ancestors served or the gods of the land you are now living in. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Have you made your choice yet? 
Have you chosen to follow Jesus and serve him? If you have not asked Jesus to be your Lord and Savior yet, you can do so by praying with me now. Let us pray. Dear God, I thank you for being my creator. I thank you for being my heavenly father and for sending your only son, Jesus, to earth to live for me, to die on the cross for me, and to be resurrected to eternal life for me. I know that I am a sinner and that I have disobeyed you. I know that I cannot save myself but I confess my sins to you, everything that I have done wrong, and I tell you I'm sorry. Help me to turn away from them and not do them again. I now choose Jesus. Jesus, I believe that you are the Lord and Savior of the world, and I invite you to come into my life and be my Lord and Savior, to save me, and to transform me, and to send me out to serve you in this world. And I pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.